This is how we overcome the movement out here. Reaching to the world with arms open, arms open, yeah. This is how we practice great efforts like every day. Love like you Well, welcome back to Crazy Faith Talk. I'm Erica. And I'm Steve. And uh, we are currently without our third person around the microphone right now. We're hoping that Sarah will be able to join in our conversation as we go along the way. Um, but you're joining us partway through a series, taking a look at um, what are sometimes lovely gifts and sometimes albatrosses around our necks in church <laughs> denominations. The ways that we've found lots of different ways to be Christian, but not always Christian together. We've talked over these recent weeks about uh, the history of in, in the last 2,000 years of church history, how we've ended up with fragmented groups from Orthodox and Roman Catholic to Protestant denominations of all stripes, and we haven't even talked about the Pentecostal movement, um, to uh, some of the positives that different denominations allow for in developing leaders and teaching theological traditions and doing mission outreach. Today, as both promised and threatened, we have to take an honest look at the flip side. Uh, sometimes our denominational structures can be that albatross around our neck, something that hinders mm -hmm. us from doing the work we're convinced is God's work in the world, uh, rather than being a conduit for that. And one of the things we talked about last time uh, is how, on the one hand, sometimes denominations make it easier for us to reach out when there's a disaster because, oh, we've got uh, Lutherans or Methodists in that other country where they had an earthquake or a fire. Great. We can send our resources to them. They can disperse them. But sometimes there's a cost in that in a local community where, as you mentioned last time, Erica, sometimes there's only one congregation of a given tradition right there in that area Sometimes our denominational traditions can become walls that separate us from partnering across those denominational lines mm -hmm. and hinder us from doing ministry and mission together. Yeah, sometimes we can think that, you know, because I belong to this particular denomination, then we are the right denomination. We're the only ones that know the truth. And we've talked about this in other episodes, you know, and so like because we know the truth, because we were the right denomination, then I can't work with those Lutherans, those Presbyterians, those Baptists, those Catholics that might be in my community, might be next door. Yeah. Um, because something about their belief system, something about their practices just doesn't jive with mine. And so because we don't jive, we can't play nice together. Yeah. I am reminded of a cartoon I saw years ago that is not so much funny as it is haunting to me um the uh, the the cartoonist I, I forget his name uh but the name of the cartoon strip used to be it was tom the dancing bug um but in this in this darkly satirical cartoon uh there is a, a figure who's supposed to be like god who is talking to all the humans in the first panel and the god figure says okay i'm gonna leave you and go up on into heaven now but remember my one command to you is to be kind to everybody goodbye and then you know the divine god figure you know disappears in a, in a puff of angel wings or something and then it flashes forward in the next panel to like a thousand years from now and here you have people who are descendants or followers of the god figure who are fighting with each other over what day of the week the kindness ritual should be performed um and it's yeah. it's sad except this is our history right mm -hmm. so here we have jesus saying the heart of all of God's commandments is love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And when we start pushing it, who's my neighbor? Jesus insists it includes everybody. So it's pretty broad. And yet the things that end up dividing us are 
what day do we do the kindness ritual? Or how much water do we use in the ritual that we immerse people into the kindness community? Or, mm -hmm. I mean, like we find these little things that then prevent us from, um, from doing work together when the heart of our mission could or should be something we can all rally around, right? Absolutely. And, and there's so many things that we have divided over from, you know, like you said, how much water do we use to initiate people into this kindness tradition to what happens to the elements yeah. um, that we say are the body and blood of Jesus? Um, is it the actual body and blood? Is it symbolic? Is it, you know, yeah. is Jesus somehow present, but not his physical body? You know, right. All these different things. And to, and those are big things. Yeah. Which seem like there, there's some worth behind the splits that have happened over that. Yep. I don't know if that's always the case, but then there's like those little splits about carpet and yeah. paint colors and worship times or styles of worship. Right. Um, right. That happen. And, you know, in the light of the big picture, at least for me, those just seem like those really. Yeah. We're, we're going to split over this. Like, yeah. This is this is a dynamic we've kind of been talking about since the beginning of this series, how over Christian history, we've handled disagreements differently. Mm -hmm. And I, maybe this is this is helpful or illustrative to think about it this way. There's this continuum you sort of name that there are some issues that hopefully everybody could say this shouldn't be a dividing issue. The carpet question, we should be able to, you know, even if I didn't pick blue carpet, I can live with blue carpet, that kind of thing. And when it comes to feeding hungry people or responding to a disaster, the color of the carpet doesn't get in the way of that. We should be yeah. able to set aside our carpet clashes in order to feed hungry neighbors or something. On the other hand, in the early centuries of the church, we talked about how when there were divisions about things like Jesus being the divine son of God or a human prophet or something like that, um, the early church really wrestled and really fought. But when it came up with a decision, there was a clear, this is what the church teaches now. Mm -hmm. And not being within that circle, we now consider not to be Orthodox Christianity. So even though it might feel like a lot of fussing now over little tiny Greek letters, the difference between the what became the orthodox position, homoousios, Jesus is of the same substance with God the Father, versus homoousios, God is a, or Jesus of a similar substance to God the Father. The early church was like, no, this is a point on which the the good news stands or falls, and if you're not mm -hmm. on this wavelength, you're you're not in Christianity anymore. And then the difficulty is there are things that are in the middle that we would all go, well, this seems kind of more important than carpet, but is this as important as the Nicene Creed or something like that? Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that's difficult, it seems, is things that seem really, really, really important in the moment when they are flashpoints, 500 years later, may not be quite the flashpoint. So, you, you know, you mentioned earlier what was a hot button issue in the 1500s about what happens at Holy Communion and whether Jesus becomes physically present and whether the bread stops being bread or becomes Jesus or is both bread and Jesus. And you have big theological fights between not only the Roman Catholicism of the day, Martin Luther's position is different than Cal than Ulrich Zwingli's is different than uh, the other reformers of that era. Mm -hmm. And then later generations will all take their spin on it. And in a way, these people are, are debating over metaphysical questions that just honestly 
people in the 21st century are not nearly so interested in asking, or we don't we don't think about metaphysics the same way. I mean, Martin Luther yeah. is fighting uh, or dealing with a church that was just immersed in reading Aristotle, and were convinced they had to use Aristotle's categories. And when you now live in the 21st century, when it turns out not everybody starts with going to school and learning Aristotle, these are not the hot buttons, and these are maybe like we just they're they're it's not that that the questions don't matter, but that we don't think in those categories anymore. Mm-hmm. And so one of the challenges we have to wrestle with, here I am a Lutheran pastor and a part of a formative part of our tradition was saying, we're not Roman Catholic, but we're not Zwingli and we're this on what happens at Holy Communion. Okay, but does that need to separate me from helping my neighbor, you know, if we're all doing a food bank or if we're all doing a clothing mm-hmm. drive or whatever? And are there other places where we can still work together, even if the the baggage or tradition of our histories is different. Are we close enough or are there enough overlap in our way of approaching things that we can say, you know what, this is something we can live together on, even if we have different ways of talking about it. That, and that's tough because that that's in that gray area of it's not the creed, but it's also more important than carpet. <laughs> and it would, it would seem that things like we spent a lot of time in our last episode talking about food ministries Mm -hmm. and feeding programs and it would seem like that would be a place where most christian traditions could come together and and work together because people are hungry people need food like right but you know we even mentioned in that episode how some people like well then you need to sit through a sermon or you know worship set or something uh, we need to hand out pamphlets with the food before you right. can get it. Yeah. Um, but that, to me at least, is somebody who comes from a tra- tradition who generally doesn't think in that direction, act in that direction. Um, that seems like that's a no-brainer. Jesus said, "Feed people." Jesus fed people. He right. fed the five thousand. He fed you know. The, why don't we just get along and do that? But it's so long-standing. Well, I don't know if I can work with those Catholics or those Lutherans over there because right, you know right. because while Jesus told us to feed people, they believe something different about this part of their theology right. that I right. don't believe in and and so now I can't work with them. And this is one of the challenges of living as Christians who have different in a way, church cultures for how we do church. Uh, and that's it. That It's not that every day we're all bringing our books of systematic theology and arguing with each other. We just sort of inherited different ways of doing church. And even if we don't necessarily know or remember all the reasons that got us to where we're at, there's enough of that us and them kind of thinking that makes it hard for us to partner. And we should probably even say, too, there are probably some things that are closer to like the the not social ministry side, but even worship kinds of things where, again, we might assume, well, we all pray to the same God, but our ways of praying sometimes, our ways of worshiping bring different assumptions about what happens that can become obstacles. And so, you know, uh, there are some Christian traditions where it ain't worship unless it ends with an altar call. uh, And there's other traditions where Mm -hmm. it ain't worship unless it has Holy Communion as a part of it, or it ain't worship unless there's been a half an hour praise and worship choruses beforehand and if we're all using the same word worship and we're talking about three very different things it's hard for us to then we're all going to plan oh we're going to have a joint service together but everybody's got a different picture of what that looks like or what that means that even that can be a it maybe maybe it's a small place of friction but it's going to be a place of friction definitely i remember um you know trying to plan services like that in my first appointment and uh, yeah, there were there were a lot of things that kind of would make us jive amongst. 
we had Baptist and Church of God and Episcopalians and Methodist and um, you know Presbyterians and there you know all those kind of things made a joint service all that more complicated because yeah certain traditions bring that to the table and they're like well you know for it to really work for our tradition it needs to include this aspect or that aspect yeah um and some of those churches like um and, and i'm not bashing our catholic brothers and sisters but like my catholic priest brothers would still hold mass that weekend so that their parishioners could still take communion yeah mm-hmm. um but then they would come and you know they would just hold mass at a different time so the parishioners that felt that they needed mass they needed communion could get it mm-hmm. but then you know they could also come to this service as well right so sometimes you can compromise sometimes right. it's harder to do right. that and acknowledging that that at least feels something like an olive branch to say okay we'll partner but we're still going to keep our separate service time or we're going to so we can have mass separately that also kind of has the feel of like a backhanded compliment that has the feel of like whatever we're doing together jointly that's not real church we're still having our own set and again if you come from a tradition where no what makes our worship worship is it must conclude with the celebration of the Mm -hmm. eucharist and holy communion then yeah they're going to look at a time of five different preachers preaching and giving a prayer that's not the same as what they're so this yeah. is one of the challenges we have to deal with is that we come from now traditions that have been around long enough that they've all we, we all have developed our own different pictures of what does church look like so even things that we could have had in common we all worship jesus have bring different flavors enough that some people picture oh worship means altar call other other people worship means uh 20 minutes of praise and worship choruses and others are like no it's communion or no it's a baptism in the river or whatever mm-hmm. um that and this is a place where even having the same language, but different meanings to that language becomes an obstacle for us. Well, and, and also in planning one of those services one year, uh, one of my fellow Methodists, we'd just gotten a new bishop and he had recommended that maybe we bring in our bishop to speak at that. Mm-hmm. She was a woman. Mm-hmm. And so that didn't go over well with um, some of the other traditions there. Yeah. Because they're like, you know, my people won't come if it's a woman preacher. Right. You know, and, and that's, you know, that's higher than the carpet, <laughs> lower than Jesus. But it's still a very strong yeah. theological right. um, issue for right. a lot of churches. Right. Um, you know, and, and a lot of churches are still kind of wrestling with that. Because there are certain denominations that, while they may ordain women, there are still people in that denomination that really aren't too crazy about it. Right. Right. And that's an important point too. you've raised that sometimes there's an official church doctrine of we do or do not ordain women or something like that. Mm -hmm. But then there's what happens when the official polity of a denomination says one thing and then, well, okay, but there's some people who just have a prejudice, like, Okay, but that's should that prohibit crossing those denominational lines to partner when it's no, it's just the local bigotry that's the issue or the local misogyny. (laughs) Well, okay, that's no denomination has a uh, as a as a monopoly on that. We, you know, so that that it 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 further complicates these questions of how we partner with one another uh, and when we work together. And and the flip side is sometimes traditions that on paper shouldn't be able to 
to cooperate will do so anyway, even though they might get in trouble with their higher ups. I, I mm-hmm. inherited the story that was told that a predecessor pastor uh, of the congregation that I serve, um, she was the first woman to preach a sermon in the local Roman Catholic church at one of their Lenten luncheon services. And they, uh, you know, a, a later, um, later priests when the the polity of the diocese or the 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 leaning of the diocese uh changed would not have let that fly but at the Mm -hmm. time the priest was more open to that um and it was one of those places where uh in spite of the denominational difference we were able to work together uh where i think about um in in my own life my father-in-law uh was a retired pastor and came out of a branch of the of the lutheran church the missouri synod uh that doesn't ordain women and is officially not supposed to offer communion to people who aren't members of the congregation unless you've mm-hmm. like had a check in with the pastor that your theology is is orthodox on it um but he disabused me of the sort of stereotype of oh all missouri synod lutherans are like x or y because no he was mm-hmm. different and was willing to partner with people um and i i think that that's a an added challenge of this is that not only sometimes our denominations do present roadblocks but then sometimes we import stereotypes about how this or that denomination must work. Mm-hmm. And we don't even try then to find ways to, to collaborate or at least ask the question and risk being vulnerable enough. Okay, I'll keep offering and they may keep slapping me down, but at least can we find ways to work together? But that's, that gets exhausting. Absolutely. But I was so grateful for like, um, you know, I mentioned my Catholic brothers, they still had mass for that community service, but they still participated. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that can be kind of a slap in the face. Like, you know, it's not true service without the Eucharist at the end. But the fact that they were even involved in the ministerium, that was sure. the first I ever heard of Catholics being involved in a majority Protestant ministerium. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're so used to, to thinking that Catholics and Protestants just can never get along mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. never worship together, can never do things. My secretary um, at one of my churches up there eventually joined one of the Catholic churches. And I started joining her and her husband for um, Fridays in Lent mm-hmm. for the stations of the cross. And that priest welcomed me with open arms, fully knowing I'm a Methodist minister mm-hmm. 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 Um, and said, now they didn't have communion at that service, but you know, he welcomed me with open arms to come and worship with them, which was very, it was nice. Mm-hmm. It was, it was a nice change of pace from what I, had grown up with the thinking because half my family is Roman Catholic. So like, I kind of grew up with that thinking that Catholics and Protestants don't get along very well most of the time. And it seems like uh, for, for as many times as that story gets told that the Protestant feels I'm not welcome in a Catholic church. I've known plenty of Protestants who talk about Catholics as though they aren't Christian. Like, I mean, I've heard plenty Mm -hmm. of folks who are like, Oh man, you were, Mm -hmm. you know, you were with those Catholics. Well, are they really Christian? And like, well, Whoa, that, that's a, that's a whole other can of worms there. So like clearly the ways that we have these affiliations for all the good we've talked about in previous episodes, sometimes really does impede are finding ways to collaborate, both on things that, in theory, we should have no disagreement on. Should we feed hungry people? Yes, we should, you know, that kind of thing. And then, obviously, in places where our differences do come to the fore, like how we do worship, who can lead in worship, things like that, mm-hmm. it becomes an obstacle there, even, sadly, to the things that should be what unite us, like, you know, Jesus' table that is meant to bring us into communion with one another, and we found ways to let it bring disunion between us. Mm-hmm. 
So in the course of our conversation today, we've talked about here's the mess that we're in. There are sometimes we can agree that the differences are so stark. We all got to be on the same page. Or if you're outside of that, you're outside of what the faith is and things like the early church creeds were those kind of decisive. Yes, Jesus is fully God, fully human. That's where we're at. And outside of that, we will call heresy. On the other hand, there are things that are so minute and small, what color is the carpet, that we should find ways to work together even across those hot button lines. And then the challenge of things that are in between cause us strife. There's clearly more to be said about uh, how we live together in denominations. So join us next time for more of the cons, but also hopefully before we're done in the conversation, why we why we stick at it anyway and why we continue what good we find in the midst of these traditions we call denominations. So join us for more conversation here on Crazy Faith Talk. See y'all. Bye. Bye.